Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I am Jillian, and this week we are going to do something a little bit different, or I'm going to try something a little bit different, and we will see how it goes. But before I jump in, I just want to let you know that if you've been listening to this epi- these episodes and you think that you are ready or you're at least curious about having someone on your team to guide you to building confidence and trust in yourself when it comes to food. And you'd love to have some tools to also manage your mindset and move away from all or nothing perfectionist thinking. Let's connect. Let's chat a little bit about what coaching could look like. I'll share some info with you and you can DM me the word coaching on Instagram and we can set up a call or you can feel free to send me an email at Jillian, G-I-L-L-I-A-N at bitesize.es or you can go check out my brand new website at bitesize.es. You're going to be able to find client testimonials. There's going to be some free downloads and a whole bunch more cool stuff, including some older blog posts. And I will be putting up some new blog posts very, very soon. So as I said, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode than normal. So usually I write out the entire podcast episodes literally word for word because otherwise my brain wanders off. I I am definitely on the ADHD spectrum. I am going to be talking to someone very soon about kind of what that looks like for me and trying to understand that better. But I'm just going to try kind of seeing if I can keep myself a little bit more on track I without writing things out word for word. So bear with me here. I have created an outline for this episode, so we're going to see how we go. And this is definitely going to end up being a two-parter episode. And that is because today we are going to talk about my journey with food and my body and what that has looked like over the years. I've gotten a lot of requests to understand a little bit better about how I got to where I am right now with my relationship with food and my body. And I thought I could just share it. Um, I'm a pretty transparent human, so I may have to edit out some stuff if I go a little bit too deep and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I can share that, but Let's dive in. I, I'm going to share a little bit about my childhood, the experiences that my, the influences that my environment and experiences had on my body image and my relationship with food. And then I'm going to share a little bit about kind of my first foray, my first experience in changing my body with food and exercise and starting to shift my habits. And then probably on to part two, which, wow, I don't know how my, my voice there, on to part two. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened when I got kind of way too serious about it all and really hyper-focused on food in my body. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how I got to where I am now, where I feel like I'm in a pretty good place with food and my body overall, feel pretty balanced about it. Definitely there's some days are harder than others, but that's just how life goes, right? So this episode, this first episode is going to talk a little bit about Um, up from my childhood until I moved to Spain in 2014. And then next week, we'll talk a little bit more about how I got into macro counting, how I lost and regained my period, and how I moved from what was kind of a borderline, almost a borderline eating disorder, to what I think is a much better place with food in my body as we speak right now in May. It is May, 2022. It's actually Cinco de Mayo. So if you're in the United States, um, I hope that you go eat tacos and I'm in Spain. I don't think I'm going to be eating tacos, but I probably should. So I'm going to take a sip of water and then we're going to hop in. 
All right. So the childhood. So growing up, I always remember my body being sort of a focus, whether it was my grandpa, like squeezing my thighs and telling me I had chubby thighs, whether it was, you know, people just commenting on how I looked, if I was a cute child and not cute child. And, and I always remember for my mom, body being a really big thing as well. So it was body was something that was a part of my life, a part of my experience. My mom so my mom passed away uh, when I was nine years old, but up until my mom got sick, we were inseparable basically. And so I would go with her to Weight Watchers meetings. I would go to her also to with her to her yoga classes. We would go, I remember my memories of my mom, a lot of them have to do with like making sugar cookies together, going and getting frozen yogurt. I remember mostly from what my dad tells me that my mom had a really big sweet tooth. And so for her, she loved, loved, loved sweets, but she was also always trying to lose those last five pounds. And so it was very much kind of a battle for her to manage her body, but also with that desire to eat sweets. So although I don't, I, you know, I was seven and a half when my mom got sick. So I don't have an amazing understanding of what her full relationship was like with food, but oh God, it would be so amazing because I think it had a big influence on how I felt about my body. And honestly, so growing up, I was a chubbier kid. I definitely was not, you know, a kid that anybody had to worry about like being too chubby and unhealthy, but I was a chubby kid. I was a little chubster and cute little, cute little chubby cheeks. And when I was an adolescent, so when I was anywhere from eight until I remember this being eight up until like 14 or 15, I was made fun of a lot for my body, for like my haircut. I had really weird teeth. Um, I have, there's a whole saga about my teeth. I used to have, look like Snaggletooth up until I was about 16 or 17. Yeah, it was tough. The teeth thing was hard. Um, I also had hairy arms. I was made fun of my hairy for my hairy arms. I have a very loud voice, which I am convinced is because my dad is deaf, basically. And so there was a lot of things that I was made fun of. And it probably didn't help that my family was also strange. You know, I was the only kid in my class whose mom died. And I, my dad is from the UK and he's, you know, an interesting human. And so over the years, I sort of developed this story about myself that one, I wasn't the pretty one. So I better get attention other ways. I better be either smart or loud or funny or whatever that is. And, and also that I was kind of weird. That was sort of the story that I created for myself and in my home growing up. So first I sort of had, first I sort of had this belief about, you know, I am not, especially as an adolescent, like I'm not the pretty girl. I'm not the one that boys like, I need to get attention other ways. And then when it came to food, there was a lot of demonization of certain foods in my household. And so that was things like we weren't allowed to drink sodas. Um, if you went in our pantry, it was all like nuts and seeds and whole grains and stuff like that, which is fantastic. However, there was a very strong sort of feeling in the house that sugar was the devil. Um, sweet foods were very bad. We were allowed to have very, very specific sweets in the house that were either like natural sugars or I don't know, whole grains. I remember we had these like tofu based ice cream sandwiches that for those, for some reason were okay, but other things weren't. I remember someone gate, I think someone had gifted us 
a, a jar of Nutella, which in my home was like, no, Nutella is the devil. It's just so bad for you. And I remember sitting in the pantry with a friend. We had a big like walk-in pantry, sitting in the pantry with a friend of mine who she was really thin. She was very naturally, very, very skinny. And I was naturally a chubbier kid. And so, and, and her mom did not demonize food at all. It was like all foods were allowed at their home. The family just happened to be a slender family. And I remember feeling like my friend was allowed to eat these things and I wasn't. And so we would sit in the pantry and literally eat spoonfuls of Nutella. And I remember feeling intense shame when my dad caught me doing that. And I realized a few years ago that there's a, a lot of fat phobia in my family. And this is, you know, my dad, my grandmother, I've had conversations with my 95 year old grandmother about this. And one instance that sticks out, actually, there are two instances that stick out really, really strongly in my mind. One is around food shaming and the other one is around body shaming. One is being 15 years old and I was standing probably in the kitchen in my house and I had lifted my shirt up probably without thinking about it. And I got a comment from my dad that said, you look like you're pregnant. And that I would, I think I was 15 years old and that has stuck with me for 20 years. I'm 35 now. And so that is one of those things that I think that, you know, you might be able to think back now and be like, oh my gosh, I remember a moment in which I was meant to feel like my body was not good enough. And that moment has stayed with me for so long and has formed what I feel about my body now. And the, the other moment that sticks out in my mind is I stayed at a friend's house who was actually my, my dad's girlfriend's at the time child, we stayed there and, and the, the woman gave us, so my dad's girlfriend at the time gave us ice cream for breakfast. We were like 14 years old, something like that. And she let us eat ice cream for breakfast. She doesn't eat. She didn't let her kids eat ice cream for breakfast every day. But I remember my dad found out and I genuinely thought that he was going to have a heart attack. I have never seen him that. I mean, that's not true. I have, but I, he was so angry, so angry. And that was just such an intense moment of that food shame feeling like, wow, they're like, this is something I need to hide because if I eat ice cream and my dad finds out about it, I'm in trouble. And so for most of my life, a lot of like eating foods that were deemed sort of quote unquote normal kid foods, like fruit roll-ups or gushers or candy, or, you know, even the quote unquote healthier sodas, all of that stuff were things that I would look so forward to going to my friend's houses because that's when I would be able to eat those things. And it was just so exciting for me to be able to do that because at home it was demonized. And there was a period of time. So I was in Spain. I lived in Galicia with a host family from the age of 15 to 16. And there were no foods off limits in that home. And I think that that was actually really helpful for me because I was much more active at that time. I just walked more, but there was also no foods that were off limits. I was allowed to eat whatever I wanted. And so I think that for me was actually really, really helpful because I started to understand that not all households were like that. And that I could live in a household that wasn't like that. And so kind of moving on into sort of the middle or the, like the beginning of the middle of the story where I get to college and I, and I start to put weight on, and this was, you know, I had been a slight, slightly like on the chubbier side, uh, teenager, 
and I get to college and there's lots of heavy drinking. There's lots of like pizza and breakfast burritos at midnight and, you know, being able to buy whatever foods I wanted to keep in my dorm room. And I very quickly put on a good amount of weight. I know there's, you know, people talk about the freshman 15 and this is something that for me, it had to do with not having any rules or regulations around what I was allowed to eat. And also a lot of drinking, a lot of drinking. And so in college, I remember I had, you know, for me, and we talked about this on a recent episode of the Be Well Cartel podcast, which I will link in the show notes, because I think that talking about alcohol is, a, is really important. So I'm not going to go into it here. You can hear a little bit more about my story with alcohol in that podcast. Um, but my kind of wake up call to be like, wow, what I'm doing to my body is not helpful. And also I'm really unhappy. And I, this is embarrassing to share, but I just want to be honest about it was I was dating someone that was really toxic. I think I was like, I was 20 at this point. And I had found out that the guy that I was dating after we broke up, I found out that he, that his type, his, the, the type of woman he liked was bigger girls, like much bigger girls. And so for me, in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, that means that that is me. That means that I actually am like, quote unquote, fat. And that to me, in my mind, like you can tell from the fat phobia that I grew up with in my mind, that was terrible. And so that for me was kind of like, you know, you heard me snap there. I was like, I got to change something. And I really didn't know what to do. I sort of had this vague understanding that the way that I was eating wasn't great, but I didn't really necessarily understand like what a diet was. Luckily, I didn't understand what a diet was. I didn't really get how it all worked. And so for me, I knew from growing up that like vegetables were in the sort of like healthy category. And so I was like, well, I'm going to start eating salads. And literally the first salads that I ate were like Caesar salads and Chinese chicken salads, which if you're familiar with what those are, they're essentially lettuce and they were, they're essentially lettuce and like croutons and dressing and maybe some chicken and maybe like one other vegetable. And so it wasn't necessarily like, oh my gosh, you're eating a salad. This is so healthy. But for me, that was my introduction into realizing that vegetables were not this terrible thing that I had grown up thinking that they were this giant punishment. And so my first, this is, and this, so it came from something that was sort of like not necessarily positive, this, this wake up call, so to speak, but it did transition into something that ended up being really positive for me, which was starting to change slowly, step-by-step my eating habits. And so the first habits that I started working on without even understanding sort of like how to change a habit, I just started step-by-step and I knew that I couldn't push myself too fast because I wasn't going to stick to it. I started eating full meals instead of snacking all the time. So instead of eating like snacking and grazing, when I felt hungry, I would eat a full meal and I pretty sure some days that was four full meals. Some days that was three. It really depended. I started snacking on fruit. I remember I went through a period where I think I ate like five bananas a day because I was like, bananas are healthy. And I started trying to incorporate vegetables. I remember starting to snack on carrots and getting, you know, grapes from the, the cafeteria at school or at my college, instead of, you know, a granola bar or, you know, cereal or whatever that was. I also started introducing exercise and this was, you know, some of you may have heard me talk about this before. 
But for me, introducing exercise was really interesting because I was a cigarette smoker up until I was 20 or 21 years old. And so I used to bribe myself to go to the gym by saying, you can have your first cigarette of the day after you go to the gym. And so for me, that was temptation bundling. It was like, it was like, if I do this thing that I don't really want to do, which is go to the gym, then I can do this thing I want to do, which is have a cigarette. Ultimately, going to the gym was something that helped me quit smoking because I realized that I felt better during the day before I had that cigarette. After I had the cigarette, I started to feel worse. So it was really helpful for me to have that sort of step-by-step habit change. You know, I started by going to the gym literally, I think it was like once or twice a week. And a big turning point for me with exercise was not just going to the gym because I genuinely had no idea what was going on. It was very overwhelming, but I started doing, I signed up for a boot camp class, which was in the gymnastics gym at UC San Diego, where I went to college. And that was so fun because it was like playing. And so if you are listening and you're like, I can't seem to get myself to stick to exercise, find something that feels like playing. And that feels like fun because that for me was, I was so sad when I graduated because I could only do that class for one semester after I graduated. And it was so fantastic. And, and that for me was a huge, I think another huge turning point in my fitness journey, because I realized that Exercise can be really, really fun. It doesn't have to be this thing that is just trying to burn calories. And then, you know, from there, once I had started this boot camp, I was introducing more vegetables into my diet. I had started to experiment with cooking. And when I say experiment with cooking, I mean cooking Trader Joe's orange chicken, which was like baking it in the oven, then putting sauce on it. And that was my first foray into cooking. I started to, from there, I started to read some food blogs and experiment and try things. The first things I cooked were genuinely terrible. Like they were not good. I was scared of salt. So definitely not tasty, but slowly I started to incorporate that. And so I actually even had a food blog at one point called bite-sized pieces. And I wonder if it's still out there on the internet. Anyways, please don't look for it. And as my sort of journey continued, I started working for a company called Lululemon, which is very well known in the States, in Europe, not so well known, but it's a, it's a very well known, like high end workout clothing brand. And they actually paid for my exercise classes. So this was so cool because from this like one boot camp class a week, I started to really enjoy moving my body so much so that I started working for a, I started, I worked at a gym. I used to open a gym at 5 a.m. every morning. And I even started working for a company that was really focused on fitness. And another big turning point in my fitness journey was I took my first CrossFit class and I learned from this incredible woman who her name is escaping me. It was like Sherry or Char, no Brandy. Yes, it was Brandy. And she ran a gym called CrossFit La Jolla in La Jolla, California. And she was kind of my first sort of mentor to show me that a woman could be strong, could be badass, could be a business owner, could be like well-respected and incredibly capable. And that was just such an incredible experience for me. And that's why I, I do love CrossFit, even though I do not do it anymore. And it, you know, in some points in, in my story, it was a little bit toxic for me, but I, I love CrossFit for so many reasons. And one of them is for introducing me to strength training. And through my 
sort of journey with um, Lululemon and CrossFit is I decided that nutrition was really interesting to me and I wanted to learn more. And so I actually did my first health coaching certification back in 2010. So now 12 years ago, I did the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And honestly, looking back on it, knowing what I know now as a you know nutrition coach with a, with a pretty good amount of experience, I can see that in Institute for Integrative Nutrition is hyper diet focused. They talked about, so in the lectures that they had, it was like talking about specific diets. And so it was like, you know, this is how to do a vegan diet. And like, this is a low carb diet. This is a, you know, a paleo diet. And so while it was really helpful for me to understand a little bit more about nutrition and gain an understanding of what I was putting in my body, it was still fairly dogmatic when I think about it. And I think that they've probably changed a lot about their curriculum since I took their, their course, but it was interesting because it sort of made me feel like I had to put myself into categories. And if I was going to coach clients that like, they also needed to choose a category from there. I would say that where my body image was at this point, sort of like, as I'm exercising more, I'm now eating a little bit more balanced. My body image, I was still very focused on wanting to be skinnier. I was very focused on wanting to feel like I was more attractive and still feeling like I wasn't wasn't very attractive to the opposite sex. And I definitely still had a lot of fat phobia. I would compare myself to women around me all the time. And, and I think that actually there was a lot of sort of negative body image stuff going on, but thinking back on my time working for Lululemon, while I did compare myself a lot to the other women, it was a very, there was a time while I was working there that I was surrounded by some really incredible supportive women, a couple of whom I'm still in touch with today. And that was really empowering and having that group of women to support me and seeing different body shapes and body sizes and how we all like to move our bodies, I think was really fantastic for my body image. And so that maybe was a higher point in my body image where I maybe didn't think about it quite so much. And then I moved to San Francisco and in San Francisco, I'm not going to go too deep into this here because this was a period of time where I was really just figuring myself out. I ended up working in a sales job that was a little bit more sedentary than working in a, in a retail job. I did get more into exercise. I ran a couple of half marathons. I was very consistent with exercise, but I also started to get a little bit more into the sort of diety mindset. I remember doing my very first sugar detox. Actually, it might've been my only sugar detox. And I was very, very strict about no sugar for 21 days. There was an entire protocol that I think I paid for. And it was, you know, the things that you can eat, things that you can't eat. On one side, it was really great for me to understand that tastes can change because I remember biting into a piece of fruit after my sugar detox and be like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. I've never tasted it like this before. But on the other side, it made me believe that if I wanted to see changes in my body, I had to be extremely strict. So pluses and minuses to everything. And I think if you probably go back and look at the things you've done, you can probably find things that you've learned and probably also find things that were maybe a little bit detrimental to your mindset or to your overall uh, body image or, or relationship with food. And then I, you know, was still very involved in reading about nutrition, learning more about nutrition, felt 
fairly competent in eating a quote unquote healthier diet. And this was when gluten-free started to be very, 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 very popular. And I remember feeling very fatigued and just feeling sometimes that like I would sleep and I would wake up and I would just be fatigued and my back would hurt. And so I got it into my head that I needed to go gluten-free and that was going to solve my problems. And so I actually ended up being very strict gluten-free and actually quite terrified of gluten for like five years. And it wasn't until I moved to Europe, moved back to Europe in 2013, like I started traveling around Europe in 2013, that I started experimenting with including gluten in my diet. And I realized, and this is interesting because there are sort of studies around the placebo effect and the power of our minds. And I was so convinced that gluten was going to make me sick that in many cases, it did actually make me feel unwell. And now I eat gluten and I'm fine. It's not something, some days I may not eat any, some days I may eat more than others, but it it was interesting because I also went to a doctor when I went gluten-free and I remember her telling me, well, you know, even if you're not gluten intolerant, if you're not eating it and you feel better, great. And thinking back on that now, it was like, she's totally right. But now that I'm able to look back on it with a clear, you know, clearer vision, I can understand that maybe it wasn't the gluten that was the problem. Maybe it was that when I went off gluten, I also started eating more vegetables. Instead of eating a sandwich or a wrap, I would eat more salads. Or, you know, instead of getting, you know, a cookie for a snack, I would have fruit. And so maybe that was actually what changed things. Because honestly, if I've learned one thing over the years is that it's never just one issue. It's never just one thing that you need to change or that you need to do. And all of a sudden your problems are solved. And so I'm going to stop this episode here. And just as a recap, so I had a pretty terrible relationship with food growing up and definitely a terrible relationship with my body. And as I got older, I started to gain a clear understanding of what a healthy diet looked like for me and was able to do that in a way that I think was a lot more balanced and and stopped the sort of like binge style mentality that I had as a kid, when I wasn't allowed to make my own choices about food, but there was still, I was still definitely the person that felt like I couldn't be trusted around sweets. I, you know, I think that that relationship has definitely changed as I have delved more into mindful eating. And I'll get into that a little bit more on next week's episode. And so at this point, we've gone to the point where still don't have a great body image have improved my, my nutrition, have seen that I can sort of manipulate my body in a way with food, which is in one way potentially helpful, but in, in other ways can be very, very damaging. And so at this point, I'm going to leave you as I am traveling in, in this period of time and heading into, um, eventually living in Spain. And that is where I hit some really low points and have hit some really, really high points in my relationship with food and my body. So I will leave you with that. Again, if you want to chat with me about coaching, or if you have any questions that came up while listening to this episode, let me know. I am here for you. You can reach me on Instagram at bitesizenutri, email jillian at bitesize.es. And if you are enjoying these episodes, go ahead, give them a share, give them a rating or review. That is super, super, super helpful. And I will see you again uh, next week with part two of uh, 
a little bit more about me.